Part four, chapter sixty three of Thus Fakes Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche, translated by Thomas Common. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Talk with the Kings. One. Ere Zarathustra had been an hour on his way in the mountains and forests, he saw all at once a strange procession. Right on the path which he was about to descend came two kings walking bedecked with crowns and purple girdles and variegated like flamingos they drove before them a laden ass what do these kings want in my domain said zarathustra in astonishment to his heart and hid himself hastily behind a thicket when however the kings approached to him he said half aloud like one speaking only to himself strange strange how doth this harmonize? Two kings do I see, and only one ass. Thereupon the two kings made a halt. They smiled and looked toward the spot whence the voice proceeded, and afterwards looked into each other's faces. Such things do we also think among ourselves, said the king on the right, but we do not utter them. The king on the left, however, shrugged his shoulders and answered, that may perhaps be a goat-herd or an anchorite who hath lived too long among rocks and trees for no society at all spoileth also good manners good manners replied angrily and bitterly the other king what then do we run out of the way of is it not good manners our good society better verily to live among anchorites and goat-herds than with our gilded false over-rouged populace though it call itself good society though it call itself nobility but their all is false and foul above all the blood thanks to old evil diseases and worse curers the best and dearest to me at present is still a sound peasant coarse artful obstinate and enduring that is at present the noblest type the peasant is at present the best the peasant type should be master but it is the kingdom of the populace i no longer allow anything to be imposed upon me the populace however that meaneth hodgepodge populace hodgepodge therein is everything mixed with everything saint and swindler gentleman and jew and every beast out of noah's ark good manners everything is false and foul with us no one knoweth any longer how to reverence it is that precisely that we run away from they are fulsome obtrusive dogs they gild palm-leaves this loathing choketh me that we kings ourselves have become false draped and disguised with the old faded pomp of our ancestors show-pieces for the stupidest the craftiest and whosoever at present trafficketh for power we are not the first men and have nevertheless to stand for them of this imposture have we at last become weary and disgusted 
from the rabble have we gone out of the way from all those ballers and scribe blowflies from the traitor stench the ambition fidgeting the bad breath fie to live among the rabble fie to stand for the first men among the rabble oh, loathing 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 what doth it now matter about us kings thine old sickness sees thee said here the king on the left thy loathing seizeth thee my poor brother thou knowest however that some one heareth us immediately thereupon zarathustra who had opened ears and eyes to this talk rose from his hiding-place advanced toward the kings and thus began he who hearkeneth unto you he who gladly hearkeneth unto you is called zarathustra i am zarathustra who once said what doth it now matter about kings forgive me i rejoiced when ye said to each other what doth it matter about us kings here however is my domain and jurisdiction what may ye be seeking in my domain perhaps however ye have found on your way what i seek namely the higher man when the kings heard this they beat upon their breasts and said with one voice we are recognized with the sword of thine utterance severest thou the thickest darkness of our hearts thou hast discovered our distress for lo we are on our way to find the higher man the man that is higher than we although we are kings to him do we convey this ass for the highest man shall also be the highest lord on earth there is no sorer misfortune in all human destiny than when the mighty of the earth are not also the first men then everything becometh false and distorted and monstrous and when they are even the last men and more beast than man then riseth and riseth the populace in honour and at last saith even the populace virtue lo i alone am virtue what have i just heard answered zarathustra what wisdom in kings i am enchanted and verily i have already promptings to make a rhyme thereon even if it should happen to be a rhyme not suited for every one's ears i unlearned long ago to have consideration for long ears well then well now here however it happened that the ass also found utterance it said distinctly and with malevolence twas once methinks ye're one of our blessed lord drunk without wine the sibyl thus deplored how ill things go decline decline ne'er sank the world so low rome now hath turned harlot and harlot stew rome's caesar a beast and god hath turned a jew two 
with those rhymes of Zarathustra the kings were delighted. The king on the right, however, said, Oh, Zarathustra, how well it was that we set out to see thee, for thine enemies showed us thy likeness in their mirror. There lookst thou with the grimace of a devil, and sneeringly, so that we were afraid of thee. But what good did it do? Always didst thou prick us anew in heart and ear with thy sayings. Then did we say at last, What doth it matter how he look? We must hear him, him who teacheth. Ye shall love peace as a means to new wars, and the short peace more than the long. No one ever spake such warlike words. What is good? To be brave is good. It is the good war that halloweth every cause. O oh, Zarathustra, our father's blood stirred in our veins at such words. It was like the voice of spring to old wine-casks, when the swords rang among one another like red-spotted serpents. Then did our fathers become fond of life. The sun of every peace seemed to them languid and lukewarm, and the long peace, however, made them ashamed. How they sighed, our fathers, when they saw on the wall brightly furbished, dried-up swords. Like those they thirsted for war, for a sword thirsteth to drink blood and sparkleth with desire. When the kings thus discoursed and talked eagerly of the happiness of their fathers, there came upon Zarathustra no little desire to mock at their eagerness. For evidently they were very peaceable kings whom he saw before him, king with old and refined features. But he restrained himself. Well, said he, thither leadeth the way, there lieth the cave of Zarathustra and this day is to have a long evening. At present, however, a cry of distress calleth me hastily away from you. It will honour my cave if kings want to sit and wait in it. But, to be sure, you will have to wait long. Well, what of that? Where doth one at present learn better to wait than at courts? And the whole virtue of kings that hath remained unto them is it not called to-day ability to wait? Thus spake Zarathustra. Notes by Anthony M. Ludovici On his way Zarathustra meets two more higher men of his time. Two kings cross his path. They are above the average modern type, for their instincts tell them what real ruling is and they despise the mockery which they have been taught to call reigning. Quote, we are not the first men, they say, and have nevertheless to stand for them. Of this imposture have we at last become weary and disgusted. End quote. It is the kings who tell Zarathustra, quote, There is no sorer misfortune in all human destiny than when the mighty of the earth are not also the first men. There everything becometh false and distorted and monstrous. End quote. The kings are also asked by Zarathustra to accept the shelter of his cave, whereupon he proceeds his way. 
End of part four, chapter sixty three. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.